Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Hello there, Clitorati. You've heard us speak out a lot on this show about what doesn't work about the 5,000-year-long patriarchy. Our current series, Sex at Dawn, inspired us to enhance and examine the dun-dun-dun matriarchy. A matriarchy is defined as a society or government run by women. Do any of these exist on planet Earth? Why, yes, they do. Anthropologists are keen to stress that matriarchy is not the opposite of patriarchy. It does not mean a world where women rule over men. What we noticed when we researched matriarchal societies around the world, from the Bribri people of Costa Rica to the Akan of Ghana, is that often a balance of power is present, where men lead in important areas like politics and spirituality, and women are the central property owners. Boom. Boom. Don't we sound smart? So before we go any further, we have a very um, special addition to our show today. Mm -hmm. Yes. And this is because our beloved Tamiko is in Thailand with her girls, traveling the world, having her eat, pray, love moment, and we love her. And we really wanted to bring in a really special person who is a glorious fan of Tamiko's. We were really like, how do we bring someone in that can fill the space of Tamiko? And so I was really, we were really mulling this over. And um, I thought about my friend Rachel, who I've been friends with for a long time and who's a really a fan of the show and really has such a unique perspective and is like a sexy older lady who can like anchor us, us bitches in the conversation. And so please welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> so Seriously, to have you here. it's such an honor to be here. It's so fun. I've been listening to all of you since the first episode. And when Lindsay uh, told me about the opportunity to step in when Tammy goes out of town, I was thrilled. I am a huge fan of hers. That's the only problem is that she's not sitting here with us. But <laughs> I can feel her. So um, a little bit about myself. I am 50 years old. It's weird even saying that number because I don't, don't look feel 50. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's hot, everyone. She's super hot. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. <laughs> I have been divorced for a little over five years. I have pretty young kids still, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. And since my divorce, I've really been enjoying like a sexual reawakening renaissance. Um, It's just a completely new world, exploring dating and sexual gratification without having a husband and father to future children in mind. Mm. So I've really like allowed myself to explore in a safe, responsible way. And it's like open doors and I've learned about myself. I've learned things about myself that I never imagined. It's been really incredible. And I love Clit Talk because that folds right into that. And I love the topic that you guys are on this season because I've been a fan of Sex at Dawn for years now. And I'm also a student of evolutionary psychology, which is the total counterpoint to it. Um, And I'm kind of interested in the conversation if both, if there can be validity to both 
perspectives because I feel kind of both of them at play in my own relationships and like what I feel is true for me as a sexual female. So I just, I love the conversation and I'm so happy to be here. Sugar's face looks really excited. She's trying to read between the lines. Yes, she goes to sex parties, Sugar. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, God, I just wanted to clarify. She just wanted to, because she was like, wait a minute, what does that mean? (laughs) The sexploration. Uh, Yes, she's a freak like you. (laughs) In the best way possible. Rachel. Yay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So let's dive in. So we're, today we're talking about matriarchy. So beyond politics, aspects of matriarchy also include how resources are distributed by women. Children are raised communally. There's typically a profound respect for motherhood, and often the female deities are worshipped. So what aspects of our society do you see as already being matriarchal? This was a tough question when um, even I were in the writing room, like, what aspects of our society are matriarchal. And the first thing that I thought about as a nurse is nursing is primarily run by women. Um, I don't know if the hospitals necessarily are. Mm. And again, it's a it's a caretaking part of the of our society. The thing that pops into my head is Queen Elizabeth, honestly. Because and what's interesting about her is that there have been many kings of England, but she is one of the longest standing rulers. And as a female, I wonder how England has been shaped by having a queen for so long. Yeah. And, and having the, a queen in there, like interacting with the, you know, the prime minister of England and how that has like shaped the country differently had it been a male this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with the royalty is they don't really make any political decisions. Have you seen The Crown? Of course they do. <laughs> I mean, I have seen The Crown, and I love that show. Of course they do. And as a woman, I think she had an advantage of like, you know, well, that's fine, but da-da-da-da-da. And like mm-hmm. actually getting her point across to these men. So mm-hmm. I think it has had an impact. Yeah. Honestly, that was the first thing that popped into my head, honestly. I love and, how we went from, like, nursing to Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Like, in the same conversation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved recently when she went to tar- she went to Target or Walmart or something and to check out this self-checkout area. And she was like, can people just steal things? And I was like, <laughs> she was like so people can just steal things. <laughs> and she was like, that was her first question. It was Not hilarious. that Queen Elizabeth would ever do that. No. no. Not that she would, but she's like, this seems too easy to, like, get away with. It is a bit of the honor system, the self-checkout line. I hate self-checkout. I never do it successfully. They always have to come and help me. Like, fuck self-checkout. Uh, No, but, like, seriously, yeah, with nurses, it's so interesting because women, at the essence, we're these caretakers. We're the gatherers and we're the caretakers. So the emergence of that job opportunity, you know, it was was made available to women. Like, women could now have a, a new industry to have a career in. And that's beautiful and that's awesome. And I think that that's matriarchal. That's bringing in um, feminine strengths, matriarchal strengths that are biological to us. It makes a lot of sense that the, that the women would be nurses. And um, as you pointed out, Katie, not the hospitals aren't necessarily yeah, in that. I know. Such an interesting coexistence of the two. Yeah. So the other thing that comes to mind working in entertainment is Shondaland 
Shonda Rhimes has really made an effort to give women work. And for those people who don't know who Shonda Rhimes is. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> Scandal, like every hot TV show. So what's Shonda Land? So Shonda Land is the, like the name of her production company. Okay, got it. Mm. Or it's called Shondaland. Mm-hmm. She calls it, I don't know, industry standard is like every woman wants to work at Shondaland because mm-hmm. it's just like such a feminine. She Shonda Rhimes is like the ruler. Well, isn't you know? Grey's Anatomy too like one of the longest running TV shows ever? I think it's longer running than ER now. I think it is. It's it's in its 15th season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's about to go into, I think it's 16th season. That's crazy. So I'm I'm like a little out of touch. Of course, I know who Shonda Rhimes is. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, does she have that reputation that whenever there's a powerful female leader, they always, you know, don her a bitch? Or like, is she able no. to like lead powerfully, but in a way that still has that all the beauty of femininity? I mean, look, I, I haven't worked for her, so I don't yeah. know personally, but I have been to a lot of Q&As and, uh, of people who work with her, and she has really fostered women to really rise and succeed and to be successful writers on the show, like to have women directors, which is something in television where there's so few and there's so many more now because of her. So she's really like been inclusive, and I'm sure she's had to make hard choices and hard decisions and had to let people go and all of that, like yeah. how she's able to balance that, be a powerful leader, because that always seems to be the default, right? When a man is powerful in his leadership style, he's revered, and when a woman is, mm. she's, you know, she's a bitch. She's impossible. So right. mm-hmm. I'm always, like I'm always curious about that when someone's able to, like, overcome that, or maybe that's just society starting to slowly shift that we're able to, you know, accept a woman in that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And respect. Well, and I'm curious to you, Rachel, because you have two children, right? And mm-hmm. you, you're you divorced, so you're, I guess, in a sense, single mom-ish, right? Because yeah, you, so. your ex-husband is very participatory. But you totally have a, a blossoming career that's also unique because you work weekends and, and different, like, things. So it's like, how has— how has this affect you in the in the realm of like raising kids and having to like balance a career and having kids in this in this Well, you know, it was interesting because when I left my now ex-husband, I had to sort of grapple with am I going to be able to do this on my own? Mm-hmm. Am I actually going to be able to support my kids? Um and I had to like be willing to make that choice and regardless of what that was going to mean. Like, I knew that I was scrappy. I knew that no matter what, I was going to take care of my kids. Um, But what I found um, was that I actually, like, stepped into a level of, like, productivity and, like, thriving in my career that I didn't even know was possible. Mm. And it's interesting because you were talking, Katie was talking about nursing being an area of matriarchy. My business, I have a music school, mm-hmm. and it is very female-dominated. I run it with my three sisters. You know, there are two sisters. There's three of us total. And the most successful teachers are all the female teachers. We always have such a hard time filling, filling the male teacher schedules because people really, they have— it's, it's a very maternal role. It's a very maternal profession when you're— teaching one-on-one with students and in small groups. And parents are just like, they're comfortable with women, but also women are just so great at it. Yeah, they don't like to be natural. It's so natural. Natural educators and teachers, and it's part of the like nurturing that is the essence of 
uh, women, you know? (laughs) And and you know what another thing is? I think women find it so easy to sort of fall in love with children, even if they're not our own kids, right? So, Mm -hmm. and I know they talk about that in Sex at Dawn, the societies where it's really communal communal parenting, where everyone, there's no division between your children and your neighbor's child. Mm -hmm. But I think about like my students, the love that I feel for them is genuine and the parents feel it. When I walk out in the lobby and talk to a parent after a lesson and I am like, I am so moved by a breakthrough that that student has. You can't fake that. They no. can just, right. they feel that I love their kid. Mm-hmm. I cry at recitals with with Aww. beautiful performances. Now mm-hmm. I'm like getting, I'm getting emotional just thinking about some of them. Right. And I think that that's just, that's a really powerful thing that women have the ability to love everyone's children, you know, Mm. if not as their own, Mm. you know, in a very genuine way. And then that even like folds into our sexuality. I think that I'm learning that women are far more um, sexually fluid and polyamorous than I ever realized. Mm. Then I think that's probably like the same instinct that we just have like a natural ability to be generous with our love Mm. that it doesn't have to be compartmentalized I don't know I don't know if that's a stretch but no I don't think it is at all it's like I don't I don't personally feel the need that I lose anything when I give Mm -hmm. the love that I have so it'll be interesting when we have the men in the studio to to see what they have to say Mm -hmm. totally hey there clitorati it's katie so you all know I'm a nurse and Clit Talk for me is a health conversation. I really want to take a minute to share a product with you that has made a huge difference in my life. Foria Wellness Awaken CBD Lubricant. Remember that. I use it multiple times per week and this is coming from the woman who never used to masturbate. Not only has it enhanced my new masturbation lifestyle, it's eased the pain I used to have during sex and my husband is super happy because our bedroom play is so much more fun. So I personally reached out to Foria Wellness to see if they would partner with Clit Talk and they were in over overwhelming yes. So now you can get a discount on their fabulous products by going to our brand new pleasure store at clittalkshow.com. All their products are there. And if you're interested in trying them out for yourself, use the discount code clittalk10 for 10% off your purchase. I can't recommend them enough. So do yourself a favor and get your pussy high. Clit Talk is now on Patreon. If you're a fan of our show and get value out of our podcast, please consider becoming a patron. There are so many ways we would love to expand the Clit Talk Vampire, like hosting community events, creating inspirational videos, and who knows, maybe even someday go on tour. Patreon is a monthly subscription-based crowdfunding platform. In exchange for your support, we're going to offer you some super sexy VIP experiences. Like, we promise you'll have an orgasm every day for the rest of your life. Um, no sugar, we can't promise them that. But we can promise exclusive behind-the-scenes content, private Patreon-only discussion groups, live monthly calls with our cast, and then some. Go to our website, clittalkshow.com, for more information. Rachel, you touched on something that I've always thought about, too. So in the workforce, so I'll share a personal story. I'm not going to say who it was, but a business owner that I know, we got into, a small business owner, we got into a discussion about um, hiring women versus men. And he was like, off the record, I'll always hire a man over a woman if she hasn't had kids yet. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, I know that's not politically correct, but as a small business owner, it fucks me in so many ways. And it's and it's it's true and it's fucked up and it's not fair. And I just go back to this whole, what if we were more of a tribal community where women weren't raising kids on their own mm-hmm. and you had the support from multiple women and multiple men where, you know, it, I just, I don't know. I think there's something there in our society to like shift towards. I think we're we're obviously shifting in ways of like women are, you know, running for president now. And I think that's a sign that like, you know, we're shifting into like more possibilities than just the Catholic way of like getting married to one person. The woman is the property, blah, blah, blah. Forbes featured a study um, that the proportion of female senior management across industries. So it had like a graph of like all the major industries and how many women held um, the the senior management positions. And in both healthcare and education, women hold about 41% of those positions, right? So we just talked about your school mm-hmm. and nursing. And um, shockingly, there were actually no large industries in which women hold a majority of the senior management roles. So to your point, Lindsay, mm-hmm. with not wanting to... Um, hire a woman who hasn't had kids yet. Um, So, and in industries where you'd assume women would rule, like in beauty and fashion, the numbers of senior management is below 30%. So we just kind of want to like, why do you guys think that is? I think Lindsay's point was really good. I think because of what I just said, even though it's illegal to not do that to people, like uh, why are you going to pick someone who is going to have to take, you know, two months off every time they have a kid? Mm-hmm. It's gonna months. F- that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Like, like the shortest possible time. I yeah. know. Yeah, I it's really know. twelve weeks is yeah. like the the minimum, and then if you go back to work after that, mm. you need help. You need mm-hmm. to be able to afford mm-hmm. additional care if you don't have a stay at home husband. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'll bring in something a little bit uh, of a of a curveball here. Yeah, yeah. So. Do it. I will. <laughs> a clip ball. So, <laughs> a little clip ball. Clip ball, curve ball. So, aside from maternity leave and the costs that come with that for business owners, I think there is a very systemic pro- issue. <laughs> and what that is, is capitalism. Mm-hmm. And the rise of capitalism allowed for um, people like Jane Adams to really invent the the entire career of, of social work. <laughs> and all of a sudden, women were now able to be social workers, which again is that essence of female nurturing. And so inside of capitalism, for women to be able to make money, there's particular jobs that you do. And they look like X, Y, and Z. They don't look like senior management positions. And a lot of that is capitalism and where we were was capitalism rose. You know, it didn't women didn't even have the right to vote yet necessarily. So of course they're gonna be social workers or nurses or teachers. They're not some of the lowest paid positions, by the way. It's exactly what I was about to go into, is it's just astonishing that those are the some of the most important roles in society, but are the lowest paying jobs. Mm -hmm. It's why I don't work in the hospital anymore. Mm. The amount of stress on my body for the payoff, it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. So I found other avenues of nursing of how I could actually make a wage that would 
elevate my family, nurses should be paid more. That's all I got to say. Absolutely and, and should. And social teachers. You freaking social kidding Social teachers me? and social workers. Like, the work oh, that they God. do, yeah. the involvement. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's heart-wrenching. And it's, it's so many hours. And mm-hmm. the amount, and you just get paid, like, nothing mm-hmm. to do yeah. it. And a lot of these jobs, you know, are, are part of taxpayer dollars. You know, mm-hmm. and as a as as a country, we most of our taxpayer dollars go towards prison, toward employing prisons and 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 paying for food, and the majority of our tax dollars go there, and not to things like education, um, and healthcare. So interesting that we're actually one of the only um, societies that that percentage of our taxpayers' dollars are actually going, you know, to to prison. Like that's, that's not, crazy. that's not typical at all. Uh, and it's, it's pretty fucked up to think about this, but most of the beauty industry com- companies that, that, that go way back were created by men. Women should look this way. You need to not age. You need this makeup. You need these products. And so the the mm. definition of what a woman is, you know, this kind of body, no cellulite, all these services and products arise from that. You've got Botox to liposuction to freezing fat off to this makeup to that to that to that. And it's not the, the uh, matriarchal thinking. It's actually uh, how can we capitalize on women's insecurities and where where there's demand, there's supply. So it's honestly just the mm. supply and demand issue. Like if we as women stop buying, um, for example, like if we all stop buying Coca-Cola, they'd stop making Coca-Cola the next day. Yeah. And fucking Fran Drescher says that shit because they're all about like, yep. put your money, we're, consumerism, we're in control. You, you know, don't buy those products. And a lot of the new newer companies that are like, they source like locally or they don't, they don't, you know, outsourced to China or they value equality, they're organic, sustainable, you'll start, that forward thinking is coming. So if yeah. we as women put our money towards companies that value those things, well, then those cosmetic companies are going to stop making their products. Almost half the cosmetic lines I go into CVS now have like close to almost organic or an all natural. And that's great. And that's consumerism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and females are the primary consumers. They're the shoppers for the household. Especially mm-hmm. millennial women are over, I think it's 70-some percent of oh, really? of um, consumerism is millennial women wow. now. I actually see a lot of millennial wear- women wearing less and less makeup. And like you take like Alicia Keys, for example, she made a vow that she was not going to wear makeup anymore. Mm-hmm. And even in the public eye, she hosted the Grammys and like, I don't know what she actually had on, but she looked fairly makeup free. And the whole going gray mm-hmm. movement as yep. well. Mm-hmm. Everyone, yeah, mm-hmm. I see a lot of younger women going gray. They're like, I'm not going to color my hair anymore. Yeah. And it's women taking a stand for, you know, we just are who we are and we're going to fight against this patriarchal vision of who we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the pendulum has swung so far the other way. I wonder what it's going to look like when it really balances out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty empowering to see these younger women, the way that they approach cosmetics, the way they approach their looks, their fashion, their sex lives. Like, my niece is talking to me. She's like, everyone's bisexual. If you're not bisexual, you're weird. Really? Yes. And it's just like, wow, this is so different than even when I grew up. Like, nobody was bisexual in my head. Or it was, like, top secret. But she's just like, it's cool to be bisexual now. 
with these younger kids and and to just like not be in monogamous dating relationships and to just have fun. And she's like, everyone has sex. It's just the way that it is. And it's not weird and nobody is slut shamed. Wow. And I'm like, well, I don't Progressive. know. If, I don't know if it's that way everywhere, but that's what she told me. And she's like, there is still slut shaming, obviously, but like the the level of, of sexual the level of sexuality you have to be at to be slut shamed is a lot higher than I think when we were in school. Yeah. And, like, one of the questions here is what changes would need to take place for, for a matriarchy to arise. And all these things we're talking about is that. And then another, my other answer to that, going off of what Lindsay just said, was the kids talking to your kids about sex. Gia Lynn, who was on with her book On Blossoming, like, talking to kids about their pleasure and um, actually shifting any kind of shame conversation. Yeah, that's really great, Katie. One of the things that I recently learned and looking to have kids myself and hoping for daughters. Just kidding. I'll be happy with any healthy baby. I mean, you don't want to have to make the decision to circumcise or not. That I know, is just like, really I don't know what to do. I actually want to ask your niece if uh, I should circumcise my son or not. And go oh, off we should ask her, honestly. Um, but the one thing that I learned recently is the 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 types of compliments that you give little girls and how they impact them like to tell a girl you're so pretty you're so pretty you're so pretty over and over again she starts to value her beauty mm-hmm. over her talents and her skills which seems weird to me because my mom told me i was pretty and i feel like it did give me a self self confidence but then again i'm like i don't know how i would have reacted had i you know had I been, had my effort been acknowledged, mm-hmm. acknowledged, like you're working so hard. I love the way your mind works. And so mm-hmm. I'm interested to continue to study that to see how that would impact like a future child of mine. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Rachel. Well, you have are a daughter. You say, but are you saying that you don't think that your mom did acknowledge no. your efforts? No, she did. She did. So then but her like complimenting your But like this article was saying literally wasn't. don't ever tell your daughter that she's pretty yeah. because then she starts to value her looks over her I'm definitely, I'm definitely conscious of that because mm-hmm. I do, my older, my nine-year-old is a girl and I am, I can tell she seeks it out. I can tell she kind of fishes mm. for a compliment about her appearance and, and I give it to her in an authentic way. Like I'm really careful that I like, God, you know, but I say things like, I love your sense of style. Like, mm. look at how you cool. you are, like, so cool, you know? Like, Something kind, kind of things yeah, rather awesome. than just, like, a blanket. Oh, my God, you're so beautiful. Yeah. And But way more often than not, I do acknowledge her efforts because she's she is, like, she freaks me out. She's so smart, mm-hmm. so talented. <laughs> she's just, she she. I'm so going to want to be her friend when she's older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard for me to, like, keep the boundary of mother-daughter just because she's such a cool girl already. But she also has already has weight problems. Mm. And so I know she's longing for like validation of how she looks. Mm. So it's it's a balancing act because I'm very conscious of it. Well, you know, if she may not hear, you know, it from you, but she's gonna hear it outside of you because of the way that society is right now. So it's like just to all parents, it's like you could acknowledge your kid for all their efforts and let's re- like really face it. There's so much more to acknowledge than somebody's looks, yeah. right? It's just ironic how much more value we put on looking good. Like this society is so built on that, that they could be getting, you know, all of the uh, acknowledgement for their efforts from their parents, but at the end of the day at school could be getting bullied for how they look. And so I, I really, I really honor what you're saying as an extraordinary mother to 
uplift your child to recognize her own insecurities and be like, I'm navigating that, you know? And I think like, I to see your- you fishing. Right. And I'm going to not like put put that down, but find a way on how I can contribute in a way that's authentic. Yeah. Right. And you know, you know what else I remember? This actually came from an old Oprah episode, right? So she was queen. saying how Oprah. they, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Hail to the queen. Talk about a this matriarch. This is a matriarch. Right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, she's how can we not have we not mentioned oh, Oprah up to this point? Jeez. Okay, Oprah for so president 2020. Honestly, Amen. I will God, fucking why doesn't that woman run? Anyway, so, <laughs> but I remember her saying in one of her episodes, I'm sure you all remember this quote, saying, you know, what a child needs more than anything is that when they walk in the room to see their parents' face light up, mm. you know? And that, it's like such an authentic, it's a feeling. You can't put that on. And I'm so, that's what I'm conscious of. Mm-hmm. The words are, you know, just the icing on the cake. It's how they feel, what they feel from you when they walk in the room. Mm-hmm. And I just love the hell out of my kids. And you know, kids and I know they just like, because they just oh, grab onto that. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's parenting like that that's going to like really shift the matriarchy, you know? And just to to your guys' points too, like bringing pleasure in and educating your kids, you know, and and coming from the way your parenting is new world order. Let's be yeah, real. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Your mom probably, you know what I mean? Generally speaking, you are part of the evolution of parenting. And ultimately, it's going to take another generation to really, I think, shift that matriarchy. But Mm -hmm. education around pleasure, education around what we should really value. It's a slow, it's a slow, it's not, it's not, it's a marathon. It's not a race, you know? Um, I'm either going to well, be a huge embarrassment to my son or he's going to think I'm pretty rad. Well, I have to just oh share, gosh. like, my, talking about, like, the generational gap between, like, women and matriarchies. And my mom, when I first told her I was starting a podcast called Clit Talk, was mm-hmm. legitimately concerned for me. Mm-hmm. Legitimately concerned for me. My mom is in her 60s. And— why are you doing this? Like, got angry with me. And she's been listening. Obviously, she's been on the show and she listens to it. And the other day, a friend of hers was sharing with her, I'm, I'm and she's married and she's like, and I'm having thoughts about another man. She goes, you, sh- you should, we're at a party. She goes, you should come and talk to my daughter, Lindsay. And I talked openly about the sex parties and my experience and how there's nothing wrong with her and there's an ethical way to approach this conversation. And the woman left and my mom said, I am so proud of the woman that you are. Mm-hmm. So I think that even for, she said, the way that you spoke about this was so eloquent and so powerful. And I think that there's a way for our generation and the generation after us to actually make a difference for their predecessors. Mm-hmm. And for the, shift for the, the girls and the boys. The girls mm-hmm. and the women. Yep. The, our moms and our grandmothers totally. is what I'm saying. Like I think that we can still make a difference for the people on this earth that are generations ahead of mm-hmm. us. For sure. And we can shift the conversation for them as well. It's really women standing for women, men standing for men, women standing for men, and men standing for women, you know? Yep. Let me ask you this. Do you think we have what it takes and should we run the world? I don't, I don't think we should. I don't think it's about that. I don't think it's about running the world. I think it's about uh, an understanding around equality and respect, mutual respect. And I feel like we can accomplish so fucking much in what wouldn't even be a patriarchy nor a matriarchy, mm-hmm. but really just like a balance, a clitriarchy. Like, I don't know, just like a balance. <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, a clitocracy, really. <laughs> That's what we always say. You we know, are. seriously. So That's what we are here at Clit Talk. And, and yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, p- 
podcasts like us, podcasts that are in our industry, shows that are starting to come into mass media. I mean, I think we're seeing good signs of progress. The fact that this conversation is starting to unfold into mass media and hopefully, you know, our conversation, the clit talk conversation, that's a fucking noun. So when you want to talk to your friends, yeah, I'm talking to you listeners, you say, yo, let's clit talk. It's not even a conversation. It's yeah. called a clit talk. Mm-hmm. We need to have yeah. a... Um- <laughs> clit talk exactly <laughs> and hopefully this conversation this is you know we get really explicit so it might be a little bit of time hopefully no more than six months that our level of conversation exposes into mass media but i think we're seeing a lot of progress and i think for our children and definitely their children we will shift into a balance between the matriarchy and patriarchy which i'm calling a clitocracy yeah and i think that's a beautiful note to leave it on it's it's really about balance and uh you know clit talk for president uh, no, but it really is about balance and about progress and um, inclusion. And inclusion. We're really happy to be um, a part of that conversation and making a difference for all generations. So, um, thank you again, Clitorati. Thank you, Rachel, for oh, being here. Welcome. welcome to the podcast studio. And um, we love you. And we will see you next Tuesday. Boom. Yeah. Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe. But only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if you're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships and world peace and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, It's very much appreciated and thank you.